0: Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always, my good friend and co-host, Mr. Ethan Carter. What is up, Vincent? How you doing, man? I am doing great, brother. You are on your path to fully vaccinated, huh? Dude, so I got my second, for those of you that haven't been caught up, um, I got my second COVID shot yesterday. And I was literally planning on visiting Rwanda today, if you know what I mean. And wow, I woke up this morning. I was telling, I was telling Ethan and our guest beforehand. I woke up this morning thinking, all right, off day. What are we doing on our off day aside from sitting on the couch all day? Right. And I'm, I'm, I get up and I make myself breakfast. And as I'm making myself breakfast, I'm like, I can't justify staying home today. (laughs) That was all it was. Yeah. Well, that's awesome.
1: I mean, that's so, I mean, we were talking about it beforehand. It's there's you can hear it in every different there's everyone has a different experience and mm-hmm. i'm just so happy that you had that experience and and myself as well like i even though i, I went to rwanda uh for a good cause um I, I, it wasn't that bad like i just i just didn't feel
0: but some people get it so bad so i'm just so happy that you did it you're it it it, it, so like so like beth had her first shot yesterday and she was a mess this morning like yeah. she was achy and shed had a fever she was up around mid 99s and then she took Tylenol and everything kind of got better I mean I don't know it's just, well, I just I don't it, know it, well then I mean, there's lots and she had COVID right yes she did so
1: I I have her you know again everyone we're all speculating and why mm-hmm. are we speculating who really cares but um I do know I mean I I'd say probably about 80 percent of the people that I know that had a really bad reaction on the first shot mm-hmm. had COVID mm-hmm. At some point. I am
0: fully convinced that I had it. And everything that's happened since- You had a bad first round too, right? November 2019, I'm pretty sure I had it. And the first antibody test I had was just too far out to pick it up. Right, right. And then the first COVID shot, I had the reaction that people who had it have. So, I mean, at this point, it's like, oh, yeah, I already had that. (laughs) I'm pretty much convinced. But I am here. Right. Exactly. Much to my surprise. <laughs> exactly. And
1: we're all very happy for that, Vincent. So Thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah it's it's been it's it was a hell of, it was a hell of a weekend actually. I got so much done in the shop. Did you? It was it was freaking amazing.
1: What do you like, what are you working on? Just a lot of commission stuff or so
0: I had two projects for the same guy that had kind of been just moving along very slowly because they all they both required a lot of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Like other makers figuring it out. Um, <laughs> you guys know who I'm talking about. Winkler. Um but Yeah, I got both of them done on, because I really wanted to have them done before Sunday. And like Friday evening, I was pretty much done with both projects.
2: And it was just like,
0: wow, like I was just super duper productive. And then yesterday, yesterday, I just pretty much took the day off. Like I was like, okay, I'll do some like digital stuff, you know, office stuff, clerical stuff, because there's always some of that to do. And uh, that was it. How was your weekend? it was good it's
1: funny i mean so we literally had uh another couple over for friday night for probably the first time i mean we've interacted with other people but like it was the first time we had like friends over Mm -hmm. since this whole thing um obviously we were all vaccinated and everything like that it was it was fun but also like it was weird it's it it is a thing to be like uh out of practice in terms of you socializing all your social graces yeah it's like it's, i mean it's it is a funny thing it like it was it was definitely a weird sensation having people in our house and and hosting and talking and uh and you know all that so yeah it, it was it was weird but it was good um uh, but yeah and nice weather so all's good you know it's it's uh I, I as always i didn't get as much done as i wanted to and
0: we never do know, never do we never do nobody can ever get as much done as they want to get done
1: yeah, I can't remember who I was talking to someone this weekend. And I was like, I might it might have been Trevor um, of Maker Experiment, um, and I was like, I always have this like in my mind. I can always get, I can easily get four pro- those four projects done in a weekend. There's plenty of time, and I get like one done if that, you know. So
0: I always there was um one of my friends um who's on who happens to be on Instagram. I forgot who it was, and I'm gonna remember it at some point during the podcast, but one of them posted something to the effect of we always underestimate what we can we always overestimate what we could do in a weekend and then underestimate what we could do in a week and then it right. just it just keeps scaling like we underestimate what we could do we overestimate what we could do in a month but underestimate what we could do in a year and it just kept progressing and you start thinking like wow we really human beings are just garbage at like estimating time correctly like we're just not right. we're just not good right. at it
1: well and it's also one of those things is Like you fill up, you you always fill up the time that you have, right? Or whatever that saying is. Every project
0: scales to fit the amount of time you've allotted to it. It's true. For sure. For sure. So we have, our guest this week is someone who has been a supporter of this podcast before pretty much anyone else was even listening to it. Yeah. Um, And a supporter of like everyone. So. Yeah. He's just one of the most supportive people I've I've ever met. So. Absolutely. Um, He's promoted the podcast. He's promoted I know he's been. I know he's promoted my Instagram in the past. Mm-hmm. He's promoted your Instagram in the past. He's one of those guys who you always feel like at every turn is in your corner. For sure, and it, it's just such a cool feeling to have people like that around because, you know, we tend to take f- for granted that everyone around you is negative and you need to insulate and whatever. And yet, here's this dude like he just refuses to be that guy. He's always out there. He's always supporting your stuff. He's always commenting on your stuff, liking your stuff and that kind of support is just amazing and he happens to actually be a really nice guy too. So, um. and and
1: which and and we'll get into this cuz I don't think he puts his stuff out there enough, but he makes incredible stuff. Like he's yes. super 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 talented. So, that's also
0: what, The only reason I feel like I know about it is cuz I've been following him for so long and watching his stories. Um because I feel like that's kind of like And, you know, every once in a while I pop into his website just to see what he's up to. Um, The one and only, world famous, probably has an award somewhere on his shelf as like one of the nicest humans on earth, (laughs) Alan Canterbury, aka AC Nailed It. What's up, buddy? How you doing?
2: Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Hey, listen, first time listener, first time guest, glad to be here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what podcast is this again?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The AC Comedy Show. (laughs) <laughs> What's up, you know Ethan? What? What's up, Ethan? How y'all doing?
0: Uh good. We're great, man. We're great. And welcome, welcome to this side of the podcast. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is awesome. So, why don't you
0: give us a little bit of background about who you are and the kind of stuff you do and what you're into? Because, and I'm just going to point out, let's get it out of the way early. So, Alan was on Makers figuring it out a couple of weeks ago, and I learned, <laughs> I learned a lot about you there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start from a blank slate and let's just start over. But right, there's a lot of cool stuff that I actually didn't know about you. So it's going to be kind of cool, I think, for our audience for people that may not have heard that to hear you tell your origin story a little bit and the kind of stuff you're into. So why don't you give us a little bit of uh, like the elevator pitch on what Allen is and what AC Nailed It is?
2: Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, um, I'm an electrical engineer. I've been uh, doing my my double E uh, work now for probably 23 years or so. I got out of college in 98. So yeah, it's been, been quite a while. And I sort of specialize in power electronics. So high voltages, high currents, uh, motor amplifiers, uh, motors, things like that. That's sort of my wheelhouse as far as my career goes. And then as far as AC nailed it goes, that's basically just my repository for all the crazy projects I like to get into um, mostly woodworking, but I do some, some metal work, some welding uh a lot of 3d printing um gosh just anything i can get my hands on you know i like to I like to make stuff as some people might say
0: <laughs> some who gee, who uh, would bass say that guitars. i wonder bass yeah guitars? <laughs>
1: yeah instruments yeah. yeah instruments that's one of my favorite things it's amazing so yeah
0: it's it's kind it's kind of funny because i didn't know i didn't know you were an, like an electrical engineer like that was a surprise to me just to start with it's like cuz i always see you doing like wood related stuff and it's like oh Okay, that's a whole side of him that I just had no idea even existed. So that's a pretty you've kind of gone the other way with the wood stuff cuz most of what you most of what we know you for is wood related. So going from electrical to wood, I know you do more than that, but it's just kind of funny to hear you go, "Yeah, yeah, I'm an electrical engineer and I've been one for 23 years." It's like, "Whoa, okay."
2: <laughs> yeah, I think um you find these stories all the time. You've got, you know, you've got nurses, you've got uh, accountants, You've got lawyers, you've got all kinds of folks who just have this what seems like a completely unrelated career, but they love to, you know, cut dovetails. They love to make beautiful signs or mm-hmm. or, you know, um, any other kind of woodworking or metalworking or whatever. It's kind of like an outlet or a release, you know. It's
0: yeah, something people can or do. Or to write, just,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, to just kind of lay down the 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 doldrums of the day and do something a little different and then kind of get refreshed for the next day at work. It's
0: not that. It's, it's, I gotta tell you that I wish I had more time at night when I got home because I feel like that would be something I would love to do, like to come home and go to the shop instead of hitting the shop in the morning until I leave for work at like 10 o'clock ish. Because, yeah, I think it's just like a great reset at the end of the day. Like you go down, I can go downstairs and be creative and whatever. Cause sometimes I come home from work and it's just like, I don't want to do anything, but. I feel like if I had that to look forward to, I would actually be motivated to come home and be more productive than sitting on the couch. <laughs> right.
2: Oh, totally. I could see that for sure. <laughs> so you how
0: did you get started? How did you get started with the with making, more so than how did you connect it to cause it's not really connected to what you do for your day job. So something had to spark the interest and then obviously you've grown in a bunch of different ways in a bunch of different areas. So how did that
2: happen? I think it started with my grandfather. (laughs) Um, My granddad has always been, or had always been, a tinkerer. Uh, I can remember going to his house when I was a lot younger and seeing the woodworking tools that he built. I mean, he he's one of those fellows who just did a lot of different jobs. I remember he used to own a a laundromat as one of those jobs, and he would take the you know old motors and build a bandsaw or build a drill press or something. Just you, go you know and, you
1: can buy those right now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, totally, I'm totally kidding. No. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah. But he comes from a generation of right, just, right. you know, you scrape together the money you can you can find or the parts you can find and do it yourself. Like yep. the generation from, you know, the 20s and 30s and 40s, that's totally the bootstrapping do-it-yourself kind of mentality. Right. It, wasn't, it was before DIY was even a, a quote, you know, hot button topic or whatever. It's just yeah, I, the way people move live their lives. Exist? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like there was, no other, was not, not, no other way, but, you know, there was not easily accessible parts and things like that at the time. So, you know, if you needed a bandsaw, you just figure that thing out and build it. And uh, I think a lot of that was present when I was growing up uh, around him. And of course, my dad That all that stuff rubbed off on of my dad, too. He did the same kind of thing. Although I think it, when my dad was kind of actively working with wood and things like that, when he was, you know, raising me, it was basic craftsman tools and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I was definitely exposed to those things growing up. Um, My mom, she ran a craft shop. So she did like floral arrangements and wood items, right? So she'd paint these little wood knickknacks for the house and things. My dad would cut them out of the bandsaw. And of course I got to do the sanding. So I got a lot (laughs) of sanding under my my belt early on
1: you're gifted the, the joy of doing the sanding, right? That was like, yeah,
2: exactly. Right? It was, it was the most fun part. That's what I was told, I think, but yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. So, I mean,
0: that was, that was me too. It was, this is, you're helping. Yeah, <laughs> That was,
2: Oh, I'm helping. Okay,
0: cool. You know, yeah. what, what you learn when you get older and you become a woodworker on your own is there's a reason that that gets farmed out to the kids. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> there you go. So it's like a, a total family kind of event. You know, my mom would yeah. would paint it and sell it. Dad would cut it. I would sand it and, but yeah, I've always just been interested in tinkering. Like I had a, a toys called uh, robotics growing up. It's like a little set of snap together plastic arms and motors and things. I did, of course, they did the Legos, and uh, I've just always tinkered with stuff even can from I, a young age. So,
0: can I just point out, by the way,
2: I remember robotics, and Do I had you?
0: To, I looked it, and I'll tell you why I looked it up. When as you typed it, I put it in because I wonder if that was the one, and that's the one with the dinosaur on the box. And that's how I remembered it was it's the one with the dinosaur on the box. I don't and, even remember
2: the dinosaur to be honest.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I, I as soon as you said it, I was like, oh my that was the toy. Um I'm put. I'll put it in the um the telegram. Oh yeah, you're gonna not gonna be able to click that. Anyway, um I put it Oh, robotics. It was always on my list of Christmas presents because it was just so the idea of building robots was so cool to me. And it was funny because you look at the box for those of you that aren't um following along google r-o-b-o-t-i-x okay and there's one that's just the the prototypical robotics kit it's a kind of a t- combination of a tank and a dinosaur and one of the great things this guy that's listing it on ebay you go through the listing it's like oh the box is so cool and the fourth picture is what you get in the box and it's just parts it, it, this is it's like i mean the one i'm looking at one right now it's 450 bucks the kits are incredibly expensive. They've wow. been they've been priced like this for a long freaking time because this was I mean, these were expensive at the time. It's very okay. oh, I love up. There's that a, you lot brought that this a lot that are a lot
1: less than that, but
2: still it's like hundred fifty, hundred bucks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't well, know, i'm gonna I, raid I, my parents head. attic and grab this exactly stuff. right <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm Dude. looking at these pictures now i kind of want to play with this stuff again it was really well, that, that's huh? my,
1: that would be my problem alan i'd go and get it and i'd be like i'm gonna sell it and then i'd be like
0: nah, I'm yes play with it. <laughs> i wanted this thing oh my god i'm looking at it there were a few toys I, it's funny how retro toys keep coming up now week after week but this was one of those toys that i desperately wanted as a kid like i not just wanted but like lusted after <laughs> like i had Alan, i think it.
1: we know what our secret santa is going to be for yes. uh, vincent there yeah you but go. It's, a
0: little, it's a little spendy i'm just <laughs> 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 but i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i yes, was just i just chance. got so excited when you said that, that was something you played <laughs> with because i feel like you and i were probably very similar type kids if that's the kind of toy that you were into then we probably were kind of simpatico before we even knew each other
2: oh i'm sure yeah it sounds like it i mean that's like you, you remember uh, Tinker Toys and Lincoln Logs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was yeah. into all that stuff as a kid too. So, I mean, I, in a sense, I was doing woodworking. I was kind of assembling some things in a way yeah. when I was like seven mm-hmm. years old with those little toy kits and stuff. But did I mean, you yeah, did, let
1: me? Did your dad have a scrap pile in his workshop or oh yes. grandpa? Yeah. Yes,
2: they both. They both did. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, my dad gave me this, I need to put this on Instagram or something. He gave me what he called my first woodworking project. It was a, what do you call it? Like a Trojan horse looking thing. It was a horse on a little platform with some wheels that I built in his you know garage shop. I don't even know how old it was, maybe 10, 12 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I called it Horsey. I, I drew a little hole in his backside, and stuck like this. I love the originality
1: of names when you're that age. You're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's a horse, so I'm going to name it Horsey.
2: horsey okay. yeah. I'm going to yeah. put an E at the of end. Course. Of course. That's the
0: way we right. do it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh boy, That's uh, how you name it as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cody awesome. McBoatface. I mean, Cody you That's know, <laughs> right. what you do. That's <laughs> oh, great, man. I, uh, you're horse lucky, in the though. wood horse. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky though because i always say that the one thing I, I did wrong as a kid was the woodworking my dad was a carpenter mm-hmm. and it didn't rub off on me and yet it seems to have not only rubbed off on you but you've taken it you know you've taken it further you do as much as if not more than the people you learn from it. that's so cool to like well,
1: and did you like did you pick that up later in life or did you have you did you kind of always were you always doing some woodworking
2: um, I think I've kind of always done it off and on, okay. you know, like in elementary school and in high school, maybe not even so much high school, mostly elementary school. I think is when I really tinker with that, that stuff. And in high school, maybe a little bit for like science fair projects I would get in and build this or that to you know, supplement things. Um, really I started getting into the woodworking more seriously when I got out of college, like in college, mm-hmm. I basically just did video games. I mean, uh, studying, uh, classwork. And, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> never,
1: never staying up late. Never going out. Partying. Yeah. No, never. None that of never that. Happened. Right. Nope. Yeah,
2: yeah. Nope. No. <laughs> and uh, I started playing bass in, uh, in 94 in college. So between studying for school, my schoolwork and the bass, those two things took up a good chunk of my time. So, uh, I didn't really do any kind of woodworking at that point. And then when I got out of, out of college and got my first house, after I started my job, I kind of picked it back up in the, you know, the, sort of DIY handyman kind of thing, build a shelf mm-hmm. here, build a cabinet or bookcase there. Um, and I just messed with that a little bit off and on. Um, probably until about 2002. Yeah. What's okay. up? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, yeah, around 2002, 2001 or 2002 is when um, now I remind you at this point, I did have a few tools. I had like a little you know, old hand-me-down belt sander, some drills, uh, maybe a, a skill saw. And I think my dad had bought me a, uh, an eight-inch bandsaw, maybe. And I had a little, okay. little cheap drill press as a hand-me-down. So I had a few basic tools. Mm-hmm. And a coworker of mine had had bought this book called How to Build a Bluegrass Banjo. And mm. so he and I would sit at work and he would talk about it. and He'd show me the pictures. And something at that point, I think, is what really clicked. Because my granddad also built banjos, violins, uh, mountain dulcimers. Um, and I can always remember seeing him Play a banjo he built, or have banjos in a, in a cases on the uh, on the wall or on the the closet, or whatever. And when I was a kid, we were talking like this is probably up until I was twelve, thirteen. When I was not, you know, really paying much attention to bluegrass at all. Didn't really care for the style of music necessarily. Uh, just I, I just didn't have the interest in it. You know, just never right. clicked mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until you know he passed away in ninety nine. It wasn't until a couple of years later that something just resonated with me about. this this banjo build. Now, mind you, I'm still building like kind of garbagey bookcases at this point, you know, not, (laughs) nothing much. And I decided to buy that book and build a banjo sort of on my own from scratch. So, went out and got wood from eBay or whatever it was at the time, just, and took on the first project and, and built one. And that's, it's weird to look back and see that, that banjo hanging on the wall here behind me now that I built that with so few skills and so little knowledge at the time. It's,
1: it's so funny. That, I mean, and you've probably heard me say it. I mean, well, for me, I, my, the, my pivotal like turning point in making, cause I, I always tinkered as well. And always built things. but I made, I t- took the built an acoustic guitar with, from a kit, but, and with, you know, with a class, but that was like a pivotal moment. And I don't know what's like, what, why I did that. And it's not, I mean, it, like at least i mean you have more reason than i did i guess but like it, it i don't know there's something about that about building an instrument that is very kind of i don't know it's a pivotal moment for me for at least
2: well i think it's a challenging a challenging project right yeah i mean when i first especially started doing especially
1: if you're not like if you're kind of going in, into it with limited professional skills i guess right yeah
2: limited experience or or whatever right. i mean it right. seems like a pretty daunting daunting project of course And I remember you were talking with this um, to to Tamara about this uh, a little while back. Mm -hmm. I just kept thinking like, wow, this is resonating with me so strongly, like her love of music and how she builds instruments and how you got your start, you know, kind of with with the instrument kind of really lighting the fire under you. Right. Yeah. Strongly resonated with that.
0: It's kind of, it's cool because you, if you don't know what you don't know, it doesn't scare you off from doing something that's probably insane that is so true i think that's a that's a really good point i think think that's what it is i think if you know when you don't know all the thing all the moving parts and all the stuff that you're not aware of you just go for it and sometimes yeah it'll sometimes you'll fall on your face right i mean it Mm -hmm. it happens i i was i started i've started recently a couple of different projects where i've completely fallen on my face because I didn't know what was involved but all it took was falling on my face once to go all right cool this is going to work but after you do something and it works well now you're not trying to figure out all the stuff you don't know you're just going okay maybe I can improve that I can improve that I can improve that and you know kinesthetic learners that's what you do right you know and a lot of people that are makers learn that way better than like Okay, this is what you need to know before you build a banjo. You, you have
1: to right. You don't need to know every right how to do everything before you get started. You, you, well, I just had a thought because ah,
0: I lost it. Never mind. Go on. No, but that's. I think that's. I think that's what I love hearing because it's, it seems to be especially with instruments, with musical instruments, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of moving parts and difficult things. I think the best example of that was watching Josh and Bob do their guitar yeah. build off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to do this. Oh, well, that didn't work. I'm just going to do well, that didn't work." And you know, it's just the 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 iterative process of I'm going to try this, it didn't work. I'm going to try this, it didn't work. But they didn't start out going, "Okay, I need to know everything so I can do this perfectly on the first shot." It was more like dive in and start doing it. Dive in and start doing it. Well, and and, and I would never ever be able
1: to do that. Right? I would never be able to read the whole book before I get started.
0: Nobody oh yeah can,
1: right and, and, and i mean and but i think there are people that try to do
0: that but you can't you just i mean you well you maybe could do it, it to you could do it to an extent yeah but people want to be fully prepared for every contingency before they i know this is as a cnc owner as someone who researched before they bought their first failed cnc mm-hmm. and then did more research before buying their second one i can tell you for a fact i wanted to know everything possible and everything i was getting into. And even as much research as I did, I learned as soon as I put it together. Like, yep, throw that all away. Just learn by using the damn machine. And the more I've used it, the m- I've gotten much more comfortable using right. the machine now. You and just got to get in there and use it. Yeah, right? it well, isn't from yeah. it isn't from reading and research that I'm comfortable. Right. It's right. because I put in the hours of doing it. You know. It's...
2: So I guess, yeah, you've got uh, to have that uh, stick time on the actual thing to really yeah, get comfortable right. with it and to understand the ins and outs of it. That. You know, like I did read that book, that bluegrass banjo book, cover to cover, probably a dozen times before I even touched a piece of wood, just because I wanted to see, like, I wanted to internalize the process, not just Mm -hmm. follow a set of instructions. You're not doing it
1: because you're going to learn how to do it from that book, but Mm -hmm. internalize what makes a banjo, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Basically, like, I want to see every process this guy did Mm -hmm. and understand why he did that and what it means and what it looks like in, in life, right? Because if I, if I can visualize something, it's way easier for me to figure it out than to sort of abstractly sketch it out. If that makes any sense? Oh, oh. totally does.
1: Let me ask. So let me ask you this, Alan. Because yeah. I, and I, I probably I, I probably told the same said the same thing when uh, when we were on with Tamar. But when part part of what happened and why I always say it is like a pivotal moment for me building that guitar. I through the process of building it, I grew. Such an appreciation for the art of building things and and also the art of instruments in that sense, because I suddenly understood how much went into making an instrument that sounded good and to and i what I liked about that was not that I cared that much about instruments and I wanted to be a luthier and all those things. it was about the fact that it that there can be so much that goes into something that everyone else perceives as a very tangible kind of, you know, utilitarian thing that has so much behind it that can make it so much better or worse. And did I, so I guess that's a long winded way of saying, did you like uh, gain any appreciation for the art of like banjos and what banjos are from that experience? And if not, that's fine. But.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I would say absolutely just in that, um, I, I guess I made a connection between my granddad at this point. Yeah. My, yeah, my mm-hmm. granddad and my, my father too, really. I mean, you you can see these things on the shelf or you can see him playing one or whatever, but until you actually put the hours into it and see everything that goes into actually making it, you don't really understand the amount of, I would call it like love. You'd have to have to mm-hmm. stick with something for that long and the dedication to put into something. I mean- Talking about working with a, a rasp for hours to get the neck shape just right or something. Right, that's not something you're going to do just because you want to have a guitar neck or a banjo neck. It's you want you can to make you can make a guitar
1: neck it. look right, but but feel horrible. Right, Yeah, and that's the thing is <laughs>
2: yeah. you'll you'll file it and then you'll put the file down. You'll pick it up and kind of like hold it in air guitar sort of you know position, and just feel the neck and see if it feels. Does this feel like a neck? Okay, not really. Why do I, I feel like, like all there? three of us
1: are? playing
0: air guitar right now
2: exactly i have I'm no idea i have no idea what you're
0: talking about no idea. I'm, I'm going yeah how does a neck feel yeah, oh, yeah look at that. okay yeah I, i'm there i'm there <laughs> no, that's great i, I love i love yeah That's awesome i of all the things you know it's funny too because you never know what's gonna what's gonna strike you what's right. gonna hit like making a banjo right like it's a very specific thing and we're not talking about we're not talking about like oh i make wood things and no i i made a banjo you made a freaking banjo like th- 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 sometimes you you just have to step back and go wow i i made a thing that pretty much everyone in the universe just buys you know it's mm-hmm. it's that's the coolest part of what we do right it's the finishing a product and going well look at that there <laughs> that started with just some a pile of material and here we are
1: yeah and it, it, well, I think and I think that's for at least for me, what what was always special about instruments is that it then produces sound like to me, that was always like a magical moment. Right. It was the same thing with um, like uh, photography, like in like film photography, when that image actually came out, when you put it into the chemical
0: mm-hmm. like
1: that, to me, that was like magic. I still don't really <laughs> like I don't
2: understand how that's happening. You know, it's like one of those kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Making instruments is kind of like. Art making art in a sense, mm-hmm. you know you have you have to put the 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 craftsmanship into building the instrument, and then you have to have the the ability and, and, and craftsmanship really of music to play it. And it's kind of neat to see that that sort of circle happen. I mean, you can build oh, the that's most. What, that's the part gorgeous, I'm missing.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> the part that
2: playing part is not... <laughs> just get behind the thing and make a ruckus, man. It's all good.
0: It's like the people that. Um... I, I I think, like, making an instrument and then playing it reminds you of, like, someone like Matthias Wandel, mm-hmm. who, you know, makes his tools and then builds stuff with the tools he makes, mm-hmm. you know? Right. I, There's I, something very circle of life around exactly, it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. like using you know, an Alex Steele's philosophy of need mm-hmm. a tool, build a tool, you know? this It's funny how that, you know, in music, we, you know, I, I guess I kind of took it for granted up until this brilliant thought hit me tonight, but the <laughs> idea that, you know, you're doing the same thing, but instead of doing it with tools, you're doing it with instruments. You know, you build the tool, use the tools to make an instrument and then you play the instrument to make the music. It's pretty, yeah. Pretty like cool. Ethan, that's a good yeah. example, actually. It's
1: circle of life. I like the way you put that. Yeah, no, totally. And and I mean, you still play it, right? I mean, are you in a band or like, I know you play live sometimes.
2: Yeah, I still do. Um, I play at church right now, primarily uh, a couple Sundays a, uh, a month. Awesome. And I, I was in a funk band for uh, years, actually, but uh, just before, the, I guess the year before COVID, things kind of slowing down for, for us, get, keeping all the guys together and being able to jam regularly. So we sort of put it on pause. And then, of course, 2000 hit and right. I mean, 2020 hit and put everything on pause. So I haven't played out at a at a bar or a restaurant or anything for, for quite a while. I think, um, oh gosh, actually, I did play. I, I joined another band temporarily in in 2020. Yeah.
1: I feel like I saw you play
2: some something. Or was it somewhere? twenty? I don't know, oh man, that's blurry. It was twenty nineteen. Right? It was twenty nineteen. <laughs> it it's not 20, okay. uh, 2020 Was just a fireball mess. So <laughs> yeah, twenty nineteen, I played with another band. I kind of sat in for them uh, to fill in the bass the bass, you know, seat for a bit, and uh, that was a lot of fun. We played a lot of classic rock and a lot of you know sort of some, some funk tunes and things like that. Just go out to a winery and just rip it. You know, guitar, bass, keys drums the whole nine yards. It was fun. Playing loud awesome. music is a lot of fun. <laughs> that's I'm awesome.
0: Not, I, for some of you, I mean, I play an instrument. I would I just don't want to be playing in front of people. I just <laughs> I just don't have it in me anymore. <laughs> like, nope. No 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 no. But that's that also takes a special kind of like personality to do that. I feel like that's something that not everyone's equipped to do and you know you may do it and love it and then all of a sudden you're doing it all the time but i love hearing like i we've talked to a couple of people who play for band playing bands Mm -hmm. and playing play live stuff and it's like they all say the same thing it's like oh it's the greatest thing in the world and i'm just sitting Mm -hmm. there going nah i'd be nah, it's just not for me (laughs) well i can imagine (laughs) i mean
1: i haven't played in a like lot you know in a live setting since High school, and, and in high school, I mean, I just played drums in high school, and I don't mean it, I just played drums, but I don't like, I wasn't very good. Um, but I have not played that live, but it, yeah, I mean, I think there's something there's some kind of uh thrill that you know, that subconscious thrill that comes from playing live. I think that's what people get out of it, right? But totally, yeah,
2: oh, yeah, totally. And it's not a on off switch. I mean, be perfectly honest, I've been playing in bands of some sort off and on since maybe 2000 i mean uh no 1996 i'm trying to say 96 gosh these years um (laughs) and i was an absolute nervous wreck most of the time i played out early on Mm -hmm. you know and i took a break for a while came back and it's one of those deals where i think you get more comfortable or you you may get more comfortable with time not everyone's going to get the same comfort level um When you let go of making mistakes, I think is when you start having the most fun. And that's true with anything. If you're so wrapped up in and making a mistake with a thing, you lose the joy of the moment. And once you can get past that, you know, um, I think it makes it a lot more fun.
1: Oh, I I, I 100% agree. I mean, when I started playing guitar and stuff like that, I, I like I was terrified to just play even with like friends, you know, just people that would never judge me for anything. Right. But that was all my hang up. And the second I got to the point where I'm like, I know I don't have the best voice. I'm not, I'm not hurting people's ears, but I don't have the best voice, (laughs) you know? And, and, and I could just play with people and we could just jam and have fun and sing, you know, sing song like campfire playing that kind of playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As as soon as I got comfortable with that, I like that opened up a world because all right, stop being so like self-conscious and just have fun with it. Um, Granted, I'm saying that, and, and I would still be terrified to perform in, like in front of an audience, right? But, but there is something to be said to just letting go and just having fun with with what you're doing, right?
2: You know, something just kind of came to mind. There's a kind of a well-known bass player named Victor Wooten. I don't know if you guys have. Heard oh, of I him know or the not. name.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of. Uh... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm going yeah, He's Google like a studio musician
2: and a solo musician, and uh, he runs this Bass Nature Camp or Music Nature Camp, both bass and music um out in near Nashville, Tennessee every year. And I was okay, fortunate yeah. to attend one of his one of his uh workshops, one of his weekend or we almost week long courses. A lot of fun, learn a lot of things. But he likes to say, don't lose the groove searching for a note. Right. That that basically means mm. play through a mistake. Uh means don't get too focused on the individual notes of the song the vibe or the groove of the thing is more important and that's now right. what Ethan was just saying has got me thinking about that in in even in woodworking or in just anything yeah like, totally yeah get wrapped up in the groove of the thing and don't worry about you know a splinter here or there or something you know
1: or like if you if you mess up a corner oh yeah then you can either you could just give up uh you could throw the piece out and start over or you could be like oh, well maybe maybe I can fix it and sometimes I also find that sometimes when you fix it, you actually find make something better, right? It's kind of one of those forced, uh, forced design things that happens. And so you're right, like just don't give. Yeah, uh.
0: I I hadn't I had so I'm making I was working on a project for a client um, on Friday. I was in the home stretch of it being finished. I had just finished doing all the wood stuff. And I was attaching the laser cut letters to it. And I was like, oh no, I didn't trim this letter before I put it on and it's hanging off the side. So I'm like, that's not a big deal. I'll just get my flush trim saw and I'll cut that little bit off and everything will be fine. And as I'm cutting it, what do you think happened to this very spindly thin little leg on this letter? It snapped. And I'm holding the piece in my hand and um, the rest of it is on the board. And I'm thinking, oh no. Like this is the end of the project. And now I'm going to have to start from scratch and start it over. And what I did was I just literally just looked around. and was like, okay, what do I have that can fix this? And that's, that's, I think what happens, right? You start, instead of, you know, you have the moment of panic. You have to have your moment of panic in a situation like that, because if you don't have your moment of panic, it's probably because you're not caring enough about the project in the moment. Right. But I had my moment of panic and I was like, all right, well, I have plenty of CA glue. And I still have the paint, and I have some paint You know what? If it doesn't work, then I'll have to redo it. But if it does work, then I don't have to redo it. So I, feel- I think, but that's exactly it, Vincent. Like, yeah, um,
1: like you could have just given up,
0: right, and just redone it. it. I redone mean, done it.
1: But what's the the alternative? Is like, it, it, you try to fix it, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, you're back in the same place you would have been if you could if you gave up, right? So without yeah.
0: saying anything, mm-hmm. I fixed it. I showed it to Beth and she's like, that is one of the coolest things you've ever made. Right. I said, now let me show you where I fixed it. And I showed her, she goes, had you not told me, I would not know that that broke. And had I panicked, right? Right. I would have just redone the whole thing, but for no actual reason, because I was too busy following the note and not yeah. the groove. Yeah. and it's, no, that's totally. I, it's really interesting how much that hit me based on something that happened recently. That's really Alan, exceptionally good advice. I think you need to
1: make
2: a it
0: There's got to be a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be an awesome, like, yeah, definitely. No, that, no, and yeah. that
2: kind of reminds me of, of, of the other idea that um, if you make a mistake when you're playing music, a lot of people will say, make the same mistake again. Mm-hmm. Lean, lean into the mistake a little bit more than you would have otherwise. And it oh, becomes no. part of the, the new version of that song you just kind of created like if you, if you yeah, a play lot of a people sour call note, that
0: improvisation
2: yeah exactly you know so if you um, i meant to do it what's that i meant it make it when you make a bad note like that you have to like make a, a cool face because everyone thinks oh that was like pretty sweet what he just did there no one would do that yeah. normally you know yeah no, the, it, the,
0: the, i think that's great i just think that's great advice i i really it's funny how you hear something and it just, it crystallizes something you've kind of thought mm-hmm. and wow, just putting it into a couple I, of words I, I, that you could I, just like use whenever you like pull it out of your toolbox and go, these are important words. Remember when you heard this, you know, it's freaking great, man. I, yeah. I, I really, I'm tickled by that
1: saying. I like, yeah, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> your story about the, uh, the mistake that you fixed there, Vince, it reminds me of the first base that I built. I have this, really you know, pretty piece of Clara Walnut and curly maple. And I built this nice body and was going to route out the, uh, the, the pocket in the middle of the top where the pickup sits into. And I drilled through the body and blew out the back of it. And I mean, you talk about your heart just sinks. Um, so after a while of looking at this thing, I eventually decided to just lean into it. And I routed a large oval into the back of the base uh, a shallow oval, oh, maybe, maybe a quarter inch deep, and I inlaid a piece of uh, ebony and then used the Dremel to route my name out in the year that I made the bass to cover the hole. Oh, so wow. now if you look at this base, go. all you'll see is a placard, and unless I tell you that I drilled a hole straight through the back of the body, which is one of the mo- ultimate sins of making Guitar Body, unfortunately, <laughs> you would never know. No one, no one would ever know. Like, I can There's point so out many- every mistake on that thing, but
0: there's so many things that are like taboo and things you're not supposed to do and mis- you know stuff you're not supposed to I know in guitar building there's a lot of like don't don't glue these joints this way cuz then they'll vibrate and I know in violin making it's even worse like violin makers are very very specific about how things are made and I think that that's fine if you're trying to make the perfect thing but most of us aren't trained to hear that difference right like well, we don't I- we wouldn't even notice so yeah I think it's the the
1: other thing too is that there's no there's no right way for anything. That's um, true. So like so the guy that so about the guy that taught me uh, that taught me how to build my the first guitar. So there's guitar bracing, which is like the wood. Um, like so, if you opened up a guitar or any kind of uh, in, uh hollow body instrument, they have these bracings, pieces of wood that run from one side to the other that are positioned in ways for that exact thing, Vincent of the intonation and the vibrations and mm-hmm. those types of things. And he's like, I worked, I worked, I, my, the, my first kit, I got a, uh, Martin kit and I worked with this f- famous luthier. And actually he, I mean, he is famous. He, I, I, I don't know if he's still alive, but, um, he's in our area that he made a, uh, cello for, uh, yo-yo ma. So he's, Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, he's, he, he's the real deal, yeah. but this, but my teacher worked with this guy and they spent probably, I think he said like two, two months, uh, troubleshooting or not troubleshooting, but trying to figure out the best bracing for the guitar. And at the end of the <laughs> wow. day, neither of them could hear the difference. So <laughs> yeah. like, so it's one of those things where it's like, it's whatever, you know, there's a little bit of whatever, you know, in the ear of the beholder, right? Like yep, what sure. you hear is what you, what you like. So, if if it sounds good to you, then it sounds good to you, you know.
0: So. You hear it a lot with, um, you hear it a lot with, and, and you know, Dave Fachuto was talking about, you know, he just built this set of high-end speakers, and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, right. I didn't realize how bad the low-end ones were until I heard the high-end ones. And that's probably true when there's a very big difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the simple fact is, most people can't tell the difference. Right. I mean, it's really, and, and I, you know, I can bring, you can bring that back to the projects you make in your own shop where... Right. You know, you're you're going to look at it and literally every mistake that you made, you know about it because you made the mistake and then you made the decision to push on. But the reality is that if you hand someone a project that you made, I promise you they see. If they see it, they're looking for it. And if they're looking for it, stop showing them your projects. They're kind of a jerk to begin with. But (laughs) realistically, the stuff that we see, we only see because we did it, right? We only know what's wrong. If something, if you make a guitar and it rattles just a tiny bit on like a low G, yeah, you may, someone may notice that. But the reality is most people aren't even going to notice that much. It's just we always chase perfection and sometimes we chase it to the point where we well, end up making ourselves crazy for no real reason.
1: And we, we, and we've said this so many times, Vincent, but we always are the victim of pointing out our own mistakes before anyone asks. Oh because, yeah. And that's the worst thing. And it is so hard. I still, Vincent, we've, how many, I don't know how many times we've talked oh, about 100%. it. A hundred percent. I still, to this day, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's great. But except for this one thing I messed up, I'm like, they don't care. Why do they care about and the one thing I messed up? That's they don't one yeah, of, right.
0: That was one of the things I loved about Steve Ramsey's course, because in the course he actually tells you, never lead with your mistakes. No right. one sees them but you. But we and do it because it's like a I don't know. I like I was sometimes I'll tell you, I'll tell you though the truth. The, the God's honest truth. Sometimes I like pointing out the mistake because I like showing how good I did fixing it. I well, think sometimes I think that's if you fixed cool. it. <laughs> yeah. If you that's true, if you fixed it, yeah. But, you know, when well, you put that side against the wall or you call it rustic and everything is fine. Everything works out <laughs> great. It's reclaimed.
1: Organic. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Organic, local. Some stuff's vegan. Who knows? <laughs> but it is. It, we are. We are. Oh, God, we're just terrible to ourselves, aren't we? Like, yeah. we, I, I, oh, I'm yeah, fascinated. We're always our own
2: it. worst critic, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Even when we do something good, it's like we have to. We feel like Downplay we have it. to. Downplay it. The right. one thing yeah. that we do that's really bad, and this is a bad habit we all have, but we all find the need to balance ourselves. It's like, I can't just say I made something really cool. It's like, I made something really cool, but. No, you don't have to have the button yeah. there, really. It's fine. You can just make something cool and say, look, I made something cool, without saying, here's the good points and the bad points. You're not a journalist. <laughs> you right. know. It's okay. <laughs> you know, uh,
1: and this has been something, actually, I think I've gotten much better about through the maker community and everything like that is I I always I, I taking a compliment. Mm. I was never I, I could never take a compliment. I'd always be like, yeah, but or <laughs> thank you. you know or oh, that's not really true. You know, like I would always do that. And you know what? Like one, the person that's giving you the compliment doesn't want you to like negate their compliment, mm-hmm. first of all. Right. Like so stop that. But you know, so stop it's just it. like I've gotten better. I've gotten I I think I've gotten better and I'm still not great at it, but I've gotten better at just being when someone's like, "You're so talented." Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Even fine.
1: if I don't feel like I'm so talented, I'm like, "Thank you. That's really nice." They think yeah. you are, right? They think and- you are. And I think that's a really hard thing for modest people totally. to 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 do. And I I mean, I genuinely have made a conscious effort to just be like when someone compliments you, take the compliment and say thank you. It doesn't mean that you're an arrogant Jerk. It just means that you're, you know, you're not
0: disputing what they're saying, right? You're being appreciative. (laughs) Yes, you're being appreciative, right? You're allowed to appreciate a compliment, and that's we we always feel like I think there's a human nature to people that aren't inclined to just be kind of arrogant about it, right? But there is a certain amount of human nature that kicks in and says, I I I can't take this compliment without pointing out the bad thing. I don't want to appear arrogant, and what you end up appearing like is someone who's Searching out weird little details and right, right. Take the compliment, or, man. Or, take or, the, or
1: like just a jer- you're like a jerk in the other way of being like, well, I just gave you a compliment and now you're just trashing that compliment. You
2: know, yeah. it's kind of <laughs> like true. when someone uh offers to give you something or offers to pay for a meal or something like that. Um, sometimes your your, your reaction is to no, no, no. I'll pay for it or I, I'll cover it. Or whatever. Uh, I forget who told me this one time, but they're like sometimes people want to just feel good for doing something nice for someone else.
1: Yes. And if you try
2: to reject it, you're kind of stealing that joy from, from them in in some small weird way, if that makes any sense. Mm. I I,
1: I think that's, I think that's the same way with products sometimes too, is sometimes if you're like, I want to give you like, Oh no, 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 just give me this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the person's like, no, 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 let me, I want, you know, I want to give you. And if you keep fighting that, then it's just like, they wanted, like, they wanted to feel good about supporting you right, in your exactly. business.: Exactly. right? And, and they don't And, and then, so just take the money, and everyone feels good, right? Like, well,
0: we can tie that back to what we were saying at the beginning about Alan, because Alan, one of the things that is very obvious about you to anyone that knows you and anyone that's seen you interact with other people on Instagram and you know, on various forms of he's social a media, a huge jerk. Yeah. You know it Ethan, Ethan, you're supposed to say the nice words oh Ethan. sorry sorry use uh, sorry. your nice words <laughs> no, but you are like what you're like super supportive of people you do you're one of the types that one of the things I love is every once in a while in your stories you'll just throw a random shout out at somebody you just try to get people to follow another person or pointing out an account that you think is interesting and I honestly think that that's the kind of thing that we need to see even more of just for no reason, you know, like you, you, pr- you have always promoted smaller accounts than yours and trying to get attention on people that, you know, that you feel need a little more attention. And I think it's great that, you know, hearing you talk about, you know, accepting the compliment and whatever, but then it's not just a matter of accepting compliments, yeah. but you're the kind of guy that pays them out quite a bit. And I, I think that that supportiveness is one of the things that cause look, let's be honest. We know a lot of people that know each other, and there were a couple of people who I talked about and said, Who you got this week? Oh, I we got Alan from Macy Neil. Oh, I love Alan. Alan's just a Alan's awesome. Alan everybody says Alan's awesome. Like yep. nobody ever says Alan? That guy's a jerk. You know? <laughs> and, Where's that uh, one guy? Well, that one guy, but you know, I don't know that one guy, which is great. <laughs> you know, nobody ever hear, hear hears from him again. I don't know what you did to him, but you know, he's not a problem anymore. That's pretty much how I look at it. But it's <laughs> I true. Like I, it I, is. I, I yeah. love, I love that you're, I love that you're so supportive of the people around you, and you like to like lift everybody else up around you. I think that's again, that's something. It's easy to think about, but it's always hard to actually just continue to do. And you, I don't know, you <laughs> apparently love doing it. So <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. you know what the other. Oh, go ahead, yeah. I was just going to say the motto of a rising tide lifts all ships just yes. r- rings in my head every day.
0: Yeah.
1: And and that's why you're awesome, Alan. I honestly, I mean, it, what I was going to say is you also point like, you also make, you've made me aware a lot of times that, that, uh, that there's people that support me and like, I don't know how to phrase it, but like you've, uh, I was thinking, I'm thinking back to workbench in the second year, and we're going up the escalator, and you're just like, Isn't it nice that people like recognize you? And I'm like, I, that makes me feel so uncomfortable. But you're like, <laughs> but, but you put it in a way, Alan, that made me like, it was like, Yeah, that's not like, you don't need to feel weird about that. It's just, it's just because. It's you're a good person, you're like, or whatever it is. I don't know how you phrased it, but it made me kind of be able to accept the fact that it that's what it was in a way that I was not comfortable with before that.
2: Yeah, I don't remember how I phrased it. I do kind of yeah. remember that conversation though, but I think I was basically just trying to let you know that hey, people are digging what you do and they want to reach out to you and you know talk and and get to know you and i think that's that's awesome and like let let it be let it happen you know because it's uh it's it's cool and and don't be weirded
1: out by it i guess i I think that's what it was (laughs) is like don't be don't be i think i felt a little bit like i don't deserve this right like uh just like we were saying before it's a little bit of that like self doubt or whatever of being like i don't really deserve this or this kind of interaction, so I need to go on like the defense and kind of like suppress it or put it say no no, no, I'm not that great you know or whatever and you're like, no, that's accept it and you said it in a way that made me i don't know it was it was a very uh impactful very short conversation, but it was very impactful so very cool. thank you for that
0: awesome. yeah this is this kind of comes back to we always talk about the generosity. Yeah. of of the community also and i think people are very generous with time and expertise mm-hmm. and you know encouragement i think there's sometimes you know those those aren't just compliments that say oh you did good work it's also a compliment that you know even if not directly kind of implies hey you did good work and you should do more of it like you should right. continue what you're doing continue on the path because i'll tell you what there's a lot of people and sometimes it's me included where i look at what i'm doing and going no cares oh, right. about this like you know, you make something in your shop and you're happy about it. And then afterwards, you're like, why, why am I doing this? Like, who cares? You know, Who cares? I'm, I'm, And I think it's particularly for someone like me where I'm not a content creator. Right. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. not. I, I have content. I have an Instagram account. I love posting on Instagram. Right. But the reality is I don't consider myself a content creator. Right. I'm just I like to make stuff. <laughs> but it's I feel like sometimes just somebody saying, hey, you're making really cool stuff. That could almost in itself be a reason to just keep going when you just sitting and, and going that's no fine. one's watching like, anyway but that and that's like that's great that you're making stuff
1: like mm-hmm. it doesn't you don't need to be a content creator, you know what I mean it's like exactly that re, uh or whatever
0: um just, we are geared that way though. I know we are geared it that, way. Way. Yeah. that we kind of look at, you know, everything has to be for content purposes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to plow through a project and get it on video so I can have content. You know, I'm going to everything's about content. And it's almost sometimes it's more about content than it is about the actual product. So,
2: OK, Vincent, I'm going to blow your mind right now. All right. <laughs> yes. There was a time when you could not post pictures of things you made online for people to look at. No way. (laughs) Right. We forgot. Clearly nobody
0: made anything then. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) we've totally forgot that people would sit in their basement for hours for the pure joy of doing a thing. Yep. Mm. That's interesting.
1: I I think that's actually, I mean, I know you're joking, but at the same time, I think that's a really good point is that there are times when, especially if you feel burnt out on social media and content or anything like that, where you just just go and make something, right? Not for anyone else. Just go to make something to for the sake of making it.
2: Yeah, and, absolutely.
1: And, and, and there's been times when I've done that, and I, I can't tell you how refreshed I felt after that.
2: Well, yeah, I've been whole... busier in my shop for the past two weeks, probably, mm-hmm. than I've been in a while. And there's not mm-hmm. a single picture, probably, of me making the thing I'm making. Right. Uh, because I'm getting ready to move and I'm trying to get this project out the door and taking pictures and videos just slows me down too much. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And it's
1: totally. not, it's not worth it. Like what's Yeah, it's like not. That? No. Yeah.
0: I actually started another project because I'm so burnt out with like making stuff. Mm-hmm. And I actually, <laughs> because I wanted to get my photography, my product photography game, I wanted to dial in some stuff and get more comfortable doing stuff. So I actually started another Instagram account and I have been, it's been one of the most refreshingly enjoying and disconnected things from everything else I do. Do not
1: say the name, Vincent, because that would ruin I, our streak of
0: not talking about it. I know. I've only, <laughs> I only started it like four weeks, three, four weeks ago, and I've not mentioned it on the show yet.
1: Every, every week it's like, uh, like 1030 or whatever. And like,
0: dang God, it. I forgot to mention <laughs> And I'm not even bringing it up so much. Too no, no, I know you Like know here not, it is, but... but more of a it's so not what you guys know me for and mm-hmm. it's just so much fun for me to do like i really enjoy this like i look forward to it. i have posts scheduled out for the next two weeks every right. day like right. they're scheduled out they're detailed there's beautiful product photography and i'm like this is such a relaxing thing that i am really enjoying doing and that doesn't mean i'm gonna stop doing the making stuff but it just means that I think I found my when I'm not making thing. I never had that. And I was always, I always felt like I was looking for it. Like the, when I'm not making thing, because a lot of us, when we're not making, it's like TV and, you know, kind of stuff like that. Right. It's, you know, for me, it was like, I didn't really have a, when I'm not making thing. And now it's like, oh yeah, when I'm not making, I'm taking pictures for snacker Joe's, which is an Instagram account that's just about snacks at Trader, From Joe's. Trader Joe's and it's the most random thought I ever had and I'm I, enjoying it more than anything I've ever done. I, re-
1: I really love it, Vincent. Like Every time I see it, it just makes me smile.
0: It's so fun. Just, like,
1: but it also makes me piss that I don't have a Trader Joe's near me. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't believe where you live, you don't have one near you. Like it's so I know. hard. Well, I
1: mean – yeah, I used to have like one of the biggest, be- biggest ones in in Mass right near me when I lived in Beverly. But mm-hmm. yeah, now it's—I mean, it's not that far away. It's it's doable, but it's not like a—it's not a convenient.
0: It's it's fire. so funny though because I really just decided like, yeah. I don't I don't want to do anything that's in the sphere of what I normally mm-hmm. do. I want something. The only thing that it has in common is there's photography involved. And in reality, right. the photography part is what I want to do more of. I want to get the reps mm-hmm. in. I'm very big on, sometimes you just got to get the reps in. just keep doing the same 10, thing. 10,000 hours, 10,000 yeah. hours, 10,000 hours of taking product pho- photography. That's pretty much my philosophy right now. But well, it's, it's funny that you say that because
1: um, I think I've said this recently on other <laughs> episodes and we've been talking about it a lot, but uh, after uh, the tomorrow episode, I, I started picking up the guitar again. Cause I, wow. I, yeah. Awesome. And I've been playing and it's one of those things where I'm very, uh, as you we were saying earlier, I'm very self-conscious when I'm getting, so I hadn't, I hadn't played like a lot in like a couple years. And so I'm bad, right? Like I'm just like out of practice, whatever. And so I'm very self-conscious about it, even with Bettina who doesn't judge me a, at all. Like she doesn't care at all, but I'm self-conscious about it. But but I was like, but from that conversation, I was like, I got to do this. So there's something to your point, Vincent. It was like, I need something else to to stimulate me and and have fun and have another outlet. And so I started picking up the guitar again. And it's been amazing. It really has. It's been like, so I play, I, now I play like when is working out um, or stuff like that. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm actually like starting to get more comfortable. Like I think I'll play in front of people again. So it's, but I, I understand exactly what you're saying, Vincent though, in in a sense of you need something that's completely separate from content or, or, or even caring that anyone else hears it. It's, it's something for you. You're right. I think
0: just getting outside of your, getting outside of your sphere a little bit. Yeah. Can be such a, such a change of, such a change of scenery. And sometimes I I know that it's easy to say, right? You know, but you almost – because you almost have to have the passion for the other thing. And if you had a passion for it, you'd probably be doing it already. But, you know, sometimes you just get a – I just – I love the idea. And I forgot who said it, but somebody said, you know, chase all your bonehead ideas. Chase all of them until you hit dead ends and then decide if you want to try to adjust or you just go, no, this is a bad idea and stop. But chase your bonehead ideas because you never know when you're going to find one that kind of sticks. You never know right. when there's one that's going to click for you. You're going to do that dumb thing that you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And then you're going to do it and it's be like, oh, that was fun. I like that, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and chase moments of, of discomfort, like uh, chase things that you would normally shy away from because it's, you know, uncomfortable for you or it gets out of your sort of realm of normal things, you know? Mm-hmm get out there yeah. and you know i'll maybe meet people or whatever <laughs> say hi randomly at at make at workbench
0: con or yeah, something exactly. like, oh something can, like can i tell my story now <laughs> well go right
1: ahead well I, this is and i said i told the story probably a couple times and i told it before we got on but it's one of it's it's a perfect example of why uh i'm a big fan of alan but it's also a big fan of just being uh being friendly and so way that me and alan went so um, alan met was
2: second year of of InchCon. I, I don't know did you go first year alan sorry yeah i did go the first year i've been to the, okay. all to all three i guess
1: okay so uh, i didn't go the first year but i went the second year and uh i think it was april's talk who was stepping in for um Annaball trades uh talk because she got uh snow blocked in uh in vegas um but anyways so we we're at that talk and uh, I, I came up and I set up, I saw front row and there's this guy sitting there and there's plenty of other seats. And I just went up and I sat right next to, the, to this guy at, which is a hundred percent unlike me. And I just sat down and we started talking and it, it was just like, we became friends instantly. And it was just a weird thing of just being friendly and putting yourself out there and just at, saying hi to someone in a way that you never would say hi to someone, and uh, I remember he had uh, Alan. You had the your sticker box, which was this amazing uh, wood uh, woodworking box for your stickers, and I had my I think my leather uh, leather notebook cover or whatever. And we just kind of like shared our techniques and those types of things. And oh, and I also remember you were at nineteen ninety-eight yes. on your following <laughs> follower account on Instagram. And so I followed you on my uh Ethan Carter Designs and it was at nineteen ninety-nine and I went to my private account and I went to, like that and we got you to two thousand at that moment and the rest is history. We've been friends ever since. And but it it was it was just I use this example a lot, Alan, of just the the if you go up and approach someone and you're friendly you can make a really really good friend and and it's so unlike me and i just <laughs> so for me no i guess for me it's just it was i always use that as a reminder of just being friendly and and, and putting yourself out there and not being you know shy
2: yeah it's not advice totally agree i mean i think back to that to that sort of uh you know meeting a lot myself too as far as just go out and do the thing and see what happens you know you, mm-hmm. yeah that was really cool i think we were actually at um the made for made for profit oh we were because, we were
1: because of the fanny packs
2: yes that's right yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah i'm not even gonna ask i don't want to
1: know uh if you, i can if tell you real quick. the show
2: back yeah. The, yeah go for it yeah yeah
1: So so there was a whole running joke leading up to the WorkbenchCon that uh, Brad Rodriguez would come out on stage and have uh, one of the – what was the fanny packs? They were the – Oh, gosh. The like gut belly.
2: Yeah. um, It looked like a – well, I have a picture somewhere. I need to find this thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was a fanny pack that looked like a beer belly, I think, basically what it was. And he'd come out with – it and he'd drink a bud light because um, John Malecki would always drink bud lights. So anyways there's was a running joke on their podcast leading all the way up to it and and so I knew that that was coming and uh, so be, right before Workbenchcon I ordered a, um, a a separate one which was a butt crack like a, a it was like a
2: Jean <laughs> like short butt or something crack almost, yeah
1: yeah it was a jean short like kind of wedgy butt crack fanny pack and so I ordered that for John Malecki. Um, who wasn't part of this talk at all, but when, uh, Brad came out and started talking and had the fanny pack on and he like took it off or whatever, I was like, Hey, Brad, uh, by the way, I've got something for John and it turned into the whole thing. So
2: I got to say, so this picture is February 8th, 2020 on my feed. If anyone, anyone wants to see this picture, you got to see John's face is priceless. <laughs> oh, I kind of want to say this. We might need to put this on, the uh, on our,
1: yeah. uh, because we make stories or something, Vincent.
0: You you got it. I will find it and it will be in our stories. Yeah. I think <laughs> anyways, a lot of how, people, whoever doesn't listen
1: to this episode is going to have a lot of
0: questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. As they should. But yeah, that's how me and Alan met. But like I said, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It, to me, that's a kind of a life lesson that I've always taken to heart because, uh, because I don't think I ever did that before that. And I'm grateful that I did. And it just, yeah, it's paid off. So,
2: and what I think is really awesome at this point is, so sort of the, the um, I built that little sticker box the first year I went to Workbench WorkbenchCon yeah. intentionally as an icebreaker. I think I spent the four or five oh, really? days leading nice. up to it. Something to stick my um little AC nail stickers into so that I could slide this little wooden box open when I met people for the first time. Now I'm not an, a super outgoing guy. So going to Workbench Con the first time was really awkward, kind of uncomfortable, you know? Um. But I used this box as a way for me to like pull this out of my pocket, slide it open, and hand some stickers out. But in doing that, there's this like kind of a curly maple looking unusual thing people don't see, and that was always something they wanted to grab and take a look at it, and that was a way for me to start talking to them about woodworking or whatever you know, and so I just thought, well, that's a cool cool icebreaker. I brought it back the next year, and of course, you know, Ethan saw it, and I saw his notebook, and I think maybe a year later or so, Ethan came to me and asked. Four of those boxes. Yep, and I made him one, and he made me the leather stamped uh, field notebook that he had. It's kind of a cool um, exchange yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the things that we sort of like solve each other's that we were really interested in. We each now have one of them.
0: That is, (laughs) and you're probably sitting there going, you're probably sitting there looking at each other's stuff going,
2: huh, huh,
0: all right. Let's see. How did you do? Oh, okay. All right. Oh, studying it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Because you then you want you know you have the expert right there in front of you. You got to ask questions. You got to
1: figure it out. Well, well, when Alan was like, uh, you want to trade one of these? I was like, yeah, but um, my, my stuff is like. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to throw in a bunch more because what I'm doing is not anywhere near what you're doing. But
2: no way, I, I totally feel like I got the better. Exactly, that I deal. know, <laughs> and
1: that's where. I, here we go again of me oh
0: trying to. God,
2: but oh, go on. Get,
0: get a room, you two. No, I love <laughs> yeah. that though. I love I love when you yeah. when you like when your thing, you know, um, when your thing matters to someone enough where they're willing to trade their thing for it. And it's like wow, that's that's like high praise because I look at somebody's stuff and go dude that is awesome and then they go yeah well listen if you make me one of these i'll give you one what like right. you want something i made like i'm sitting here admiring what you do and you want something i made? that's that's cool <laughs> right it's like instant validate that's the best form of validation i know you're not supposed to you know it's taboo to say i like getting validation but let's be honest we all like getting validation well why do you think we're on instagram and youtube and everything else right you think i do a podcast because i don't want validation right exactly exactly (laughs) let's be honest it's the only way i can communicate with anybody (laughs) it's like no i have a podcast you want to come on yeah cool now you're my friend (laughs) i sucked (laughs) you in i've got you my plot worked (laughs) nice well schemed, sir (laughs) what's the next what's the next big thing you're gonna dive into alan like i i feel like you've you're like, I, I feel like you've taken the skill collector thing to a good level. I've I, You know, now that I've, I really do appreciate and I, you know, I'll give him another shout out because they really, you know, Steve did a good job. Um, I really do feel like I got to know you really well on Makers Figuring It Out. And I feel like you, I didn't know you as the skill collector you are, but now I've really kind of come to go, all right, he is not just, I always just kind of saw you, I hate to say it, but I always just kind of saw you as a woodworker. And you know, I find out, you know, you're really more of a skill collector, which kind of I love that. I love people that are always like, I want to try the next thing, the next thing. So what's the next thing for you? What are you up what what are you looking at making your next thing? I'm obviously, you know, you got your I know you got your move coming, but you know, once you're settled in and comfortable in the new spot, what's uh what's next?
2: The next thing, well the first thing with the next thing is the setting up of a new shop. I'm gonna have a two-car garage now with a lot more space to kind of spread my wings and things you know but uh mm-hmm. i just bought a is, cnc is a,
1: is a two-car garage all your shop
2: yes oh yes sir. nice very <laughs> nice yeah, you're supposed to park cars hey, or just something got really in those. Excited, I'm not sure about even though works. I'm not. I don't have
1: a shop. That's Nobody, not my shop, but yeah,
0: we all do the same thing, right? We look at houses like, okay, there's the there's the house, there's the shop, and then there's a driveway. That's where I park the cars, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You can put cars in a
1: garage. Without I, kind I of literally cars could live in like a 600 foot apartment if I had
2: a you know, I <laughs> a foot yeah. shop, right? <laughs> like a 2,000 square foot shop and a you yeah 500 foot bedroom, yeah. Sounds well, good. It's
1: like it's like Brandy who built her. They they, they moved the and they got first. a trailer They yeah. built a shop before they built their house. That I will love always that. go How down
0: do as one of my favorite Moments. things that a guest yeah. has ever yes. said on this <laughs> <Yeah>. show. She <laughs> and when she, she said it like it was like normal, and I I just remember just being like, wait, what? Yeah, you exactly. Built the, right. the shop, and then she said, "I love." She's like, "Yeah, we didn't even have a staircase yet," and I was like, "What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> what is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Priorities so a in check, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yep. So yeah, when I get the shop set up, obviously, I want to get back into making a little more you know, content and things because I'll have some room to sort of spread things out. But um, I bought a CNC just before uh, – well, I bought it last year, but it arrived and I set it up just before I bought this house. So I really haven't even had a chance to mess with it yet. Mm. So that's the next thing I'm really looking forward to getting into is CNC. Awesome.
0: it's so, It's so – I'm going to tell you the learning curve – is very very steep but you hit a point where it becomes functional very quickly it's Mm -hmm. steep is it's steep but it's quick like yeah right like yeah that's exactly what (laughs) it is it's i i found that the more i used this machine that was never doing what i wanted it to the more predictable it became and now it's at the point where i know that it will only take me one shot to get what I want out of this machine, where it used to take me, like if I was cutting something out of a panel, I'd glue up three or four panels just in case. Right. And now it's like, oh, yeah, no, I know if I glue up one, I'm only going to need to make one of these. Like it's going to work when I'm done with it. I, I loved, I love, love, love the idea of just having an idea because I'm not going to lie, I don't have the woodworking skills that a lot of people, particularly people who listen to this, because the people that listen to this podcast are way more talented than me. Fine. Cool. I like the idea of being able to create something digitally and then having a robot cut it out, like to make something I had in my head become a thing. And the CNC was supposed to do that. And when I first started using it, I was getting frustrated Hmm. all the time. And part of the reason I'm not frustrated anymore, just watching big Al from New York woodworks, just watching him do his thing with, with his even though it's a completely different machine, just watching him you know, go from design to how he sets up the machine to how he sets up a cut. And it was just, just having someone around that knew what they were doing. I didn't even have to really ask a whole lot of questions. I just had to watch what he was doing. But man, once you get over that middle where it's like you start to get it 50% of the time, you just your learning just starts accelerating. And then you start getting daring and you go, I don't need to spend all this time setting it up and tinkering around with it. The machines have just gotten so good. The software is so good. I know you have a Onefinity. I have the Shapeoko three. Either way, if you're into CNC, I know a bunch of people that have gotten machines over the last year or two. It's all the same thing. You start out with that learning curve, being like, "Oh, this is horrible. I'm never yeah. going to get this right." And then one day you do. And once you do, you know everything you did, and you start getting everything right, and it's so much fun. Then you're gonna, you are gonna absolutely. Especially as someone who's a tinkerer, you're going to love this freaking thing. <laughs> like,
2: oh, for sure. I yeah. can't wait to see what you do with it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to messing with it too. Yeah, definitely. I got into 3D printing a couple of years ago and I'm a fiend on that thing. I love designing and sketch up little trinkets and tools and whatever. Um, and I can just totally see how having the CNC is going to make that even you know, even bigger and more useful.
0: Oh, 100%. I actually had a moment when I was building the um, one of the projects I made for that client. Um, I had a moment where I had to lay out six equidistant holes over 17 and 3 eighths of inches of length. And I'm sitting there going, okay, how the hell do I... I couldn't even think <laughs> of how to do the math on that, right? I was like, this is... I don't understand. Brain so then I was like, well, I know what I can do, though. So I came upstairs. I went into Fusion 360. And I made a rectangle that was 17 and three eighths and I measured out distances from inside the ends. And I did a pattern of circles that I said, I want six circles. I want them to be equidistant. I dragged it until it hit the bottom line, made myself a template, went downstairs and punched all the holes and then drilled them. Yeah. And it was like, this is the kind of stuff that people don't realize that, you know, I used my glowforge, forge, but you could do easily do that with a CNC, right? But this is the kind of stuff that people don't realize these tools can do. These tools don't have to be making the finished project for you. Sometimes these tools actually make your tools for you to make the project easier to make. Right, right, so. totally.
2: Yeah, I just did a, um, a rifle stock, um, which required me to print a few, uh, what would you call them, like router alignment fixtures? to cut the weird pockets and angles and stuff like that, that I oh, could yeah. not have okay. done with, with files or whatever. Like mm. I, I made these little saddles that just sat over the edge of the, the buttstock, let's say. And um, the router would slide, you know, just perfectly in these little corners, just to fit all the little, where the metal, you know, the metal and the wood connections had to be to drill the mm-hmm. holes and things. Yeah. Just designed it and printed them. And I don't know how I would have done it without that. I mean, I'm sure lots of filing and, sanding and things but yeah i mean just the that's bulk the thing, of it right yeah, yeah your
0: time your time you know you could there's always another way right for me for one sure one of the things i use i have on my um downstairs and I actually have it on my website it's free if you want to just get the file and print it yourself but i have a corner jig for putting the feet on cutting boards and it's at it's spaced at like half an inch, one inch, an inch and a half, and two inches. So you just slap this on the corner of your cutting board and punch your holes. And it lines up all your holes so they're all the same distance from the corner of all your ends. And I think it probably took me, I don't know, an hour in Fusion 360 of just planning out the right way to do it and make it the most effective, make it not too thick so it works on thinner boards and stuff. But I use that damn jig on every single cutting board. Right. Every single mm-hmm. board I make, I use that little jig, that little thing, that little 3D printed thing. It's amazing how the little things can Yeah.
1: They're be game used changers. all the time, right? The the yeah. game oh, yeah. changers,
0: the biggest yeah. game, game changers, changers. Yeah, aren't right. the big tools that you no. get in your shop. It's the small ones that you just use in such a routine way. Well, you know the the uh, I mean in a in a kind of similar way is like
1: making templates like I I've started mm-hmm. making templates even for the my one-offs well it, it, I don't make them from the first one off but the second one off I'm like <laughs> all right I'm gonna make a template even out of cardstock for that same reason though because then it makes everything after that so yeah. much easier right like oh totally. and you never know when when something stupid that I think is kind of a stupid unnecessary leather project
0: might <laughs> actually
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> might it might actually get some traction? It's and, yeah.
0: I think what people don't realize is that these tools. this it isn't always about the speed. Sometimes it's just about the repeatability. Yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. it's, for yeah, sure. it's uh, the ability yeah. to do the same yeah. thing again. Because yes. yeah, you know, if you make something for somebody by hand, and then they somebody else comes up and goes, "Hey, could you make that for me?" Sure, you can. I mean, everybody, we're all capable of that, right? Right. Nobody needs all the things, but if repeatability is your goal. And you want to make something over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, templates are, templates are you know, I know Tamar was is like mm-hmm. the biggest proponent ever of jigs. She has a jig for everything. And right. it just, it blows my mind. I don't, I can't make a useful jig. I've never made one in my life, but I've made a lot of them with plastic on my Prusa printer, you know, right. and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so this is what I needed to get jigs done. Like this was my tool to make jigs. Well and, and, and like uh Chris
1: of Cowdog does the same like he makes the jigs for the things that he does repeatedly, right? Mm-hmm. But he but he also doesn't like rely on like he likes to do the hand tool you know, hand tooled things himself because that's part of like the love that goes into the pieces. But there are places in his work for those jigs. And so he makes those he makes a ton of jigs. And it's just it's it's one of those things where it's like, look at your process and what you care about, right? What are the pieces of this build or whatever that that kind of warrant a actual hand touch and what are the pieces that you can just kind of batch out Mm -hmm. and and distinguish those two because you need the ones that you don't need a hand touch you need to you need to figure out a way to batch those things out real quick yep but but the other things you still need to do by hand because that's what makes That's what makes you stand out from a piece at Walmart, you know?
0: And sometimes your biggest selling point is that you made something. I mean, right, right. I got to tell you that, that, you know, I've had people come to me and I'll be like, you know, I could make that for you, but I promise you, you could get it cheap. Yeah, no, I want you to make it. Okay. I'm not going to fight you. I just yeah. want to I just want to be you know I want to put up the token resistance, you know a hundred percent
1: every time people almost every time people come to me with some kind of leather working thing, I'm like and and they send me something on Etsy, and I'm like, listen, I would love to make that for you, but they're like you are probably better off getting it off, Etsy, <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: you know, I would I mean, rather pay Etsy- Ethan two times his asking price for something that he made compared to the price of something I would buy knowing that he made it or or a Ooh. necklace from Vincent or something that you guys made by hand. Mm-hmm. Knowing yes. where it came from, knowing the person, I, right. yeah, every time. I know saying that
1: I mean that's and and I respect that and you are, but you also understand the fact that like I mean the reason I say that is not because I don't want the business, it's because literally I can't buy the like, you the, can't buy the materials. materials. I, I, literally, I'm like, I'm, I'd be like, I'd be like $10, like 10 to $40 underwater before I even started making the thing because yeah. I've the had people show so me cheap, stuff, you know, so.
0: Pinterest is Pinterest. If you do custom stuff, Pinterest is your worst nightmare because mm-hmm. I've had people show me stuff off Pinterest and go, I'd rather you make this. And I'd look and I go, I can't make it. For, I, not even can I not right. make it for right. that price. Forget right. I could. If I want to make zero, fine maybe i could come close but i would be just making that at that price i'm losing money
1: like and and, and and honest i mean even to your point alan like there's and there are times when they're like when people are like that and i like i respect that so much and i'm the same way right a hundred percent i'm like i don't i know that etsy is most of the time is like a cheap version of what i actually want sometime i mean most of the time. Most of the time. I mean, there are people that do it, right? But, yes. But even when I say that, and I'm like, I'm willing to play, pay triple that, I still can't do it for that right, I that can't right come price. Close. And I it's just, just
0: can't come close. Yeah. Like I, Sometimes I'll just be like, look, I, I appreciate, but I'm just going to tell you that my price is going to be at least sometimes double, sometimes triple what these people are charging. Because a lot of the times, and this is the dirty little secret about a lot of Etsy, is... People are people that are selling wood products are buying those wood products from that are mass produced in China and then doing stuff with them. Absolutely. I had a a very creepy example of this happen to me last week, literally last week. This story is so bonkers. Um, I got a, I had a client ask me to make something for him that he saw in an Instagram ad, and I was like, um, I can I can take a crack at it. So I went into Illustrator and I pretty much made, I made a good design that looked very close to what he was wanting. And I was like, is this, you know, does this work for you? And he said, yeah, yeah. So I brought it down to Tweaky, my CNC. And I did the cutting and it took me a weekend to do it. And I was super happy with it when I was done. I sent it off to him. It was a huge hit for Mother's Day. Everybody was happy. Okay, good. Three days after Mother's Day, I get a contact through my company's, my business Facebook page. And it's a woman and she goes, my, my boyfriend ordered this for me for Mother's Day on April 18th and I didn't get it. And I'm like, I said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, what did your boyfriend, because, you know, obviously she didn't include a link or whatever. I said, what did your boyfriend order for you and who did they order it from? She goes, this, this heart puzzle thing that you're selling, my boyfriend ordered one. He said, you didn't send it. And I was like, "Uh, he didn't order it from me. He must have ordered it from somebody else. So we went back and forth a little bit. And I said, I said, well, if he ordered it from me, then he would have an invoice from me with my company name on it and my phone number. Have him give me a call and we'll talk about it. I said, but I'm telling you, he didn't order it from me. A few minutes later, I get a message back. She goes, he ordered it from blank, blank, blank. And that was the same company that I got the picture from. This woman saw my the picture that I made on Facebook yeah. and thought I was the company that was selling these on Instagram. And it was just the most bizarre thing in the world. So this company apparently not only didn't get this guy his thing that he ordered, but they don't sell it anymore. So just beware when you start ordering these yeah. things from random people on Etsy and Instagram and these ads and stuff sometimes they're not real <laughs> sometimes, yeah, no, sometimes there's a lot just, of that and that it's yeah. unbelievable and i actually did end up off i said look if you want one i will make another one i've only ever made one but i will make another one i'll make it for you i'll give you a substantial discount because i feel bad and i want to help you out i said if you decide you want one contact me and i'll get one made for you um it's just it's amazing to me though that like that's what, that's what business on Etsy is like. I mean, and that's not to say the people- it, that And it's this. not just Etsy. I mean, it's, it, it, that's it's on, also- It's online business. Right. it's, you it's know, online this was... business because anyone can steal an va- image from anyone and- And I promise you, by the way, that that puzzle was never going to get where it was going because I know what they were charging for it. And they were saying it was solid cherry the same way I made mine and that they were going to engrave it custom and they would have it ready for Mother's Day if you ordered it two weeks beforehand. I was like, there's no way like there's just there's no way. So, I guess the moral of the story is just be careful where you put your money, but I just thought that was a really bizarre yeah. story. It's somebody thought I was a bigger company than I was, which was kind of flattering, I guess. Well, uh, along the same lines, as I I've been getting a couple of uh
1: requests to be uh, you know, brand ambassadors, right? <laughs> so
0: Yoga pants or sunglasses?
1: It, yes, exactly. So my la- <laughs> my latest one is literally the name of it is Her Team. It's it's official
0: those. Her Team. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. And they I got two of them from them. Yep, and they uh they focus on women related t-shirts about empowering women, which I'm 100%
0: for. No you're but, not, you misogynist. Don't lie. No,
1: but uh but it's it, no, and it's it's by women, right? It's by women for women. <laughs> And I'm just like, uh, I don't
0: I love think I don't think I'm really your brand ambassador. And isn't the pitch the best? Where they go, oh, we saw your Instagram page, and we think you're a perfect match. Like perfect really? match, perfect match. Yeah, your content I'm, is exactly what. You think I'm a perfect match for yep. a woman? I got. I keep getting one for leggings, and I ca- I was joking with a bunch of people in one of the groups I'm in. I said, I promise you. The next one I get for leggings, I'm going to tell them I need to see a pair before I'll be a brand ambassador. Oh, you and should
1: try. You should try on a pair and
0: then and try them on and post, and a, se- post se- a post post totally. do a post and see if they. Still- yeah, hundred percent. Because if I can't sell leggings with this booty, nobody can. <laughs> nobody can. Like I, I give up on the world if this booty don't sell some leggings. But anyway, um, enough we about my so booty. We have so many t-shirt ideas today. <laughs> We always let our guests go first when it's time for things of the week. So, Ooh. Alan, what is your thing of the week, my friend? Can
2: I have two things of the week? You you can have uh, as many as you want. So. Ethan always has two because he, he's indecisive. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Okay. The first thing of the week is moving boxes because they are taking over my entire world right <laughs> I <love> now. <laughs> it. I love it. Empting, are you talking about boxes
1: like actual like moving boxes that you'd go and purchase or, card- or you'd
2: – yeah, cardboard boxes. Either I get them from work or I purchase them or friends have given them to me. They're just yeah. everywhere. So, yeah, that and packing tape. That's my first <laughs> thing of the week. <laughs> just because that's I'm inundated with it. It is. It's
1: so hard, though. Like, you don't think about it until you're trying to move. And then you're yeah. like, boxes. Oh, I wish I'd saved all those a million boxes that I had gotten over
0: Moving the years. Is, yeah. Moving is a pain in the ass. But uh-huh. now, add in trying to purge. Yeah. Before you
2: move. Yeah. We've been and, in that. Yeah, my wife and I have been uh, in that mode for sure, trying to just, you know, Craigslist and yard yep. sales. Oh, just... by the
0: way, congratulations, man. Yeah. Oh thank you, bro. Well, that was coming up, but yeah, congratulations. You married. Holy crap. There you go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. In the midst of the coof, you got married. I know. Like, uh, wow. We <laughs> yeah. should have started the episode with that. Congratulations,
2: man. <laughs> that was one of the most interesting monkey wrenches you could ever imagine oh, during yeah. trying to plan a wedding is Oh, by the way, can we even have a venue? Can we even have people at our wedding? Uh, just every little thing. Luckily, we had been hustling since we got engaged um, uh, the year before and had most of the big things kind of locked in. And it's more just a matter of just waiting to see if things would open up enough by October of last year to let it happen. And luckily, we caught that dip. I don't know if you saw the, the graph, but there was a, kind of a surge in the summer. Yeah, it yeah. Began it dipping before down. Thanksgiving. We caught that, and then it surged again after, after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, we got lucky ah, for sure.
1: So, Ellen, okay. so awesome. So con- I, I hope I get to meet her at a
0: workbench con or something at some point.
2: Oh, uh, well, I'm sure I'll make it happen sometime. sometime. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, got to make point. a trip yeah. to to New England or something. We'll, we'll hook up.
0: Yeah, I awesome. have to tell you how much I relate to what you're saying here.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: Then give you my anniversary date, and you can do a little reverse math and figure out, oh, wow. I lived in New York City. We got married. September thirtieth, um, yeah. oh, two thousand one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, believe me, the world does not stop. You learn very quickly that the yeah. world does not stop for your wedding.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was that was not long after uh, what radio and cell towers were just coming back online around that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, not yeah. so right. We actually, we lived in the Bronx at the time and we were, we were you know, we're like, okay. So, we ha- you know, they tell you in New York City, when you live in New York City, that you go two weeks, between one to two weeks before your actual wedding date to get your, to get your license. And you go to, you right. know, your local Department mm-hmm. of Vital Records and you get your license. Well, guess where the New York City main server for the <laughs> Department of Vital <laughs> Records was?
2: That's insane.
0: Yeah, so Uh, we ended up having to get – we are one of the few people ever who were residents of and married in New York City, but we have a New York State marriage license because we couldn't get a New York City marriage license. We had to drive drive about 45 minutes north to the closest one that was actually still taking – some of the places were around and they weren't taking them. So they weren't taking requests for new marriage licenses because they couldn't verify information. It's crazy. That's, so it I completely insane. understand. I, mean, I know it's not to the same degree because we did end up having a normal wedding, but I mm-hmm. completely understand, man. It's And you start panicking too. You're like, oh no, am I going to be able to do this at all?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That thought definitely crossed your mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. Well, that's awesome though. I mean, that's yeah, fantastic. Congratulations.
2: I remember,
1: I remember you leading up to it and I remember after. So yeah, that's so awesome.
0: And making the pergola for it. It was like, wow. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I was
2: also yeah. stoked about that part. Yeah, for sure.
0: That was huh. that was fun to watch. It was fun watching you build it, and you were, like, building it. Weren't you, like, finishing it up, like, two days before the wedding? Like, didn't you finish it, like, right at the last
2: possible moment? Pretty close. It was, yeah, definitely the week over the wedding. I was putting the final touches on it. Yeah, for sure. Huh. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. What yeah, you... I thought it'd be fun to story along as, as the process happens. So that was, yeah, that yeah. was cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: It yeah. was great. It was fun to watch from the outside. It was also nerve wracking. I'm like, please, I hope he gets this done. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, me too.
2: <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: because I'm,
1: I'm one of those people that I'm like, I'm not going to post anything until I know that it's successful. And even if it's not successful, I'll be able to talk about how it went wrong.
2: Right.
0: But no, I was on the hook. Put it out
2: there. Oh, I had you're on the, hook. I had the yeah. hardest of hard outs ever to get that thing done. So.
0: <laughs> this is an actual deadline, sir. I
1: also would love if you had gotten to your wedding and been like, uh, sorry, babe, we can't get married yet
2: because the pergola is not.
1: No, yet. We have to like, we, we're going to have to postpone, babe. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the crazy thing was, there's supposed to be an outdoor wedding. We planned this outdoor wedding, got mm-hmm. we the perfect kind of country barn view, venue, and. Uh, Everything was looking great. And then the Monday, the week of the wedding, the weather forecast went from sunny skies and 65 degrees to, oh, look, here comes a hurricane. Now it's going to rain all week, including your wedding day. So mm-hmm. we actually had to move that, that bad boy inside this large barn and have the entire ceremony and service in there. But it turned out awesome. It's, we, we, isn't it rain for a great, reason?
0: Everything feels like a everything feels like a monkey wrench when we got married we decorated a gazebo we were going to get married outside we paid the florist 1500 bucks to make it look pretty mm-hmm. and that day it just Poured and literally, as we pulled mm. up in the limos, you could see the rain just washing the flowers off the gazebo, and it was just like, "Oh, that was fifteen hundred dollars well spent." Yeah, and sometimes you just look at things and go, "This is a sign." I don't know what it's right. a sign for, but the world is trying <laughs> to tell me something here.
2: <laughs> but then you I'll get, get that married. Sad tuba sound in my head now. Exactly. Right. But
0: then you get married, and it's like we did it anyway. And, yeah, exactly. And, you overcame. It, exactly, and it's it's so cool to overcome. Like, I and mean, we know it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but it's so cool when you overcome all the crap and it's like, yep, mm-hmm. did it anyway. Go to hell world. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. On that note, what's your second thing of the week? Sure. Uh, second thing of the week is um, it's a channel called Call Me Maybe, Justin Maybe. Does oh, these- I, I, we oh. know that guy. Uh, Who, yeah. is that?
1: Who? 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 Who's this guy?
2: <laughs> he does like the best yeah. documentaries oh on makers in our space, uh, craftsmen, craftspeople. I mean, they're just fantastic. I've been hooked mm-hmm. on watching them. I think his most recent one was on Jason Hibbs. Yep, um, yep. that was pretty cool. And uh, a lot of our, our our pals and and I'm sure a couple of fellow listeners are have been featured on his thing. And uh, yep, he's just he's just amazing. I love watching his documentaries. I such love a, that he went from
0: a... someone that I had yeah. never heard of to a guest on this podcast. It's one of my favorite stories ever because yeah. I still have the image of him listening to it from when we were talking to Chris we mm-hmm. mentioned him and he's looking, and goes, I don't even know who that is. And he looked up at the camera. like That's right. Oh, really? Three weeks later, we had him on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that is one of, yeah, uh, he, Every time he puts out a video, I want him. Uh, like I, I'm like, I, that's gonna be my thing of the week. <laughs> the PJ I just love, me. Yeah, I love
0: it. his videos. I, I, he's so super talented. The PJ one made me cry. Not gonna lie. Yeah. yeah. No. PJ I know. one. It, it, he's just so good at wrenching emotion out of you. He's, you know, it, it, he's just it, great at what he does. I mean, it's the camera, know, you know
2: what, it's the music, it's the storytelling. Every, it's all right yep. there. Yep.
0: But yep. you know what it is,
1: and this, and this is a from for him or any amazing documentary person or interviewer or anything he's not in it at all mm-hmm. like like he, like so he has a way of of getting people to talk to do the interviews and talk and ask questions in a way that he does not have to be in in the documentary or in the video at all mm-hmm. right and i think that's such a talent and yeah he's
0: he's uh and He's, he's stupid one of, talented. And he's just a genuinely nice dude. Yeah, is, exactly, you know, exactly. That's, that's kind of rare sometimes, too. Like, to find someone that's super talented and a nice dude. Usually, well, exactly. Like, And if I had never met him, Vincent, I
1: would have been like, I, I would have perceived him as an asshole. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I would have. Because
0: he's that artsy type with the yeah exactly. the art I, type. I, yeah, I, I totally get
1: it. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way in, no. in terms of his personality. I just mean that in a better way of... He's that genuine person. Like he's just so talented and super nice and super like super good person. Excellent, excellent yeah. recommendation, yeah, Alan. For sure, absolutely
0: excellent. Um, I'll go next because mine's a quickie. It's just yeah. a YouTube channel that I am just. I hate using the word obsessed because I'm not a millennial on freaking TikTok. However. I am absolutely obsessed yeah. with this channel. Yeah, I mean, I I am getting younger as I get older. So um, <laughs> there's a YouTube channel. If you're into cars, if you're not into cars, you could skip right past this part because it's not your thing. But if you're into cars, there's a YouTube channel called Just Rolled In. And I just discovered it a couple of days ago. And if you want something, you're just going to be, if you know anything about cars, you will just be uproariously laughing at this channel. It is one of the best channels on YouTube. Basically what it is, If you ever get a receipt, a digital receipt from like one of those, um, you know, chain mechanics, it always says customer states, check brakes, customer states, check engine light, you know, customer states. So they do a series, their videos are all titled customer states, but it's like customer states, there's smoke under the hood and you open the hood and everything's melted. You know, it's like, it's these complete disaster cars that people bring into the mechanic with just the most innocuous explanation, you know, customer states noise in the front end and you look and the whole tie all the tie rods in the front are just broken and dangling under the car you know (laughs) it's one of i'm telling you you will get so much enjoyment out of this channel it's just straight up one of the funniest and most enjoyable youtube channels i've ever seen so check it out i'll have the link to that in the show notes but it's it's a killer it's a killer it's so good
2: yeah, I watched a little bit of that earlier. It was hilarious. Oh, it's the best.
0: <laughs> and ah. they're short, the video That's the other great thing. Yeah, the videos clips. are under 4 minutes and there's a lot in them, so. Yep. It's it's great. It's an absolutely great channel. Mr. Carter, your cho- your choice. All right, so I have
1: a semi thing of the week because I'm not quite sure if I would 100% endorse it yet. But All right. Yeah, I know, I know. But Ethan's got you heard him Ethan's got a semi. Go ahead, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> so, um so a long time back actually, a long time back I won a giveaway from uh Trevor Maker Experiment and I got the Silhouette Mint. Do you guys know what that is?
0: I do not. So like the a cricket, silhouette right? mint.
1: The Silhouette Mint is um you know, silhouette is like uh Com, uh, competitor of like cricket mm-hmm. and those types of things but the silhouette mint is a thing uh, machine that makes stamps oh so you it, it same works the same way as like uh you know as cricket or silhouette you put in an image or whatever and then it prints out with their you know proprietary cards or whatever this thing oh. that you put on the thing and it and you, it makes a a stamp and so I got this like it was probably over a year ago I would say and I just finally got it out of the box uh this week and I started using it and it works really well I'll get it well first of all it's super easy to use like the software you can put any image on there super easy to use uh the the mechanics of like getting the stamp made and everything super easy to use my uh the only the, the reason I'm quasi you know it's a it's a it's a soft thing of the week is that i'm still struggling with the fact that it it the the pressure that you use on it is very temperamental Mm -hmm. because because it's not really like a stamp so like most stamps the harder you press the firmer it is uh, or the clear you know the more impactful the stamp print is this is because it's not really like a stamp the harder you press it kind of can get blurry so you have to learn how to do the right press but outside of that it's a super like a super easy tool to you uh, uh machine to use and software to use to make amazing custom stamps and like the stamp kits range from anywhere from like 15 dollars to like 20 dollars to uh to get the everything that you need to make a stamp, so it's it's a, a super affordable way to make stamps. Um, so yeah, it I'm still the jury's still out for me a little bit, but it's it super easy to use. I guess
2: that's why I'm this recommending is very it. Very clever, like I'm it, it engraves it. rubber stamps or something.
0: Yeah,
1: basically, like I don't know exactly what it does, but it basically has a stamp system where it uh stamp uh prints something that has like a negative and a positive and it makes it kind of raised. And then it has a stamp pad that you put it on it and you put all this ink on the, on the stamp. And the only places that the ink gets sucked into are the places that you want it to be stamped. This it's is, kind of like a silk screen, like for yeah, t-shirts. This, this yeah. is really
0: cool. That's it, kind it's of very cool. Idea.
1: So the, but the my only hesitance and and I only want to say this because I don't want to be you know disingenuous, to anyone that listens is it's been a little tricky to get the right pressure and the right amount of ink and stuff like that but the times that I've done it it's worked really really well and and the usability of it is super cool so so yeah mm. that's that's my half thing of the week so
0: okay this yeah. is this is really really interesting
1: yeah I'm... I mean again just. Go in it with your own, you know, I don't want to 100% endorse it because I am i haven't 100% been able to get exactly what I want from it, but I okay. think it's very intriguing. Your mouths
0: may vary. Intriguing is exactly the word I'm thinking as I'm looking at it. This yeah. is actually really cool. Alright, yeah. cool. We will have that link to the uh, in the show notes so people can pick one up for themselves. Um, before we get out of here, of course, I want to thank all the people that make this wonderful show possible and that's yep. the people that Bought us coffee. Um, that includes Leanne and Nick from Hemlock and Hyde. Dave from Atomic Airship Works. Emily Joyce. Ed from Ed's Clocks and more. Rory from RLL Woodworks. Chris from Full Steam Designs. Jeff Stein, a.k.a. A Weird Guy. Debbie Haddock. Jerry Hyduke, Joey from JH Custom Woodcraft. Dean Duplantis. Jacob Anguiano from Native Sun Wood Art. Robert J. Keller. Scott from Dad at Yourself DIY. The one and only Grant Alexander. Tony Langer from Langer Works, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, Jake from imakejake.com, Big Al Schultz from New York Woodworks, and of course, Justin Ofler, Bear Make It. And if you can contribute, feel free. We have a link um, on the website at becausewemake.com slash hall of fame, and we always have one in the show notes. If you can't contribute financially, then of course, any reviews or sharing of the show are also appreciated because every little bit does in fact help us quite a bit. Next time we read this list, I'm probably going to move and don't take this the wrong way, people. But if you are an active member or you paid for a year or you paid for a couple of coffees, I'm going to do a couple of calculations. And if your support is not active, I'm going to keep you on the page. We're going to move you to the alumni section just so we were only reading off the people who are active. So don't take offense. Um, We didn't forget about you, but we are going to move the people who are no longer active into an alumni section just a little bit below. So we're only reading off the people who are current Okay, that being said, Ethan got an award. What? Yeah, um so I was sitting there, you know, minding my own business and I get USPS informed delivery and there was a letter coming on a specific day from the Rwanda Humanitarian Organization. By the way, I'm not kidding. This will be <laughs> on Thursday, this which is tomorrow from the day this is released. I will have pictures of this in the carousel on Instagram on the Because We Make Instagram account so you can see it just like everybody else. But it reads, Dear Mr. Ferrari, we were very sorry to take your co-host away from the show a few weeks ago. Mr. Carter's work is so important to all the people of Rwanda. Unfortunately, we did not have Ethan's address to send him this certificate of appreciation. Can you help us pass this on to him by presenting it to him on an episode of Your Making Show? Our printer was out of ink when he was in Rwanda, so I had the local chapter print and mail it to you. Thank you for your help getting this to Mr. Carter, and thank you for your understanding. Best wishes, Paul Kagame, president of Rwanda. And sitting in my hand is a certificate of appreciation presented to Ethan Carter in recognition for his continued charity and humanitarian work here in Rwanda. So we will have that in the show notes. So you, uh, Not the show notes, in the carousel on Instagram that we usually put up on Thursday with Things of the Week. I will have this in there so you all can see it. That's pretty cool, buddy. Congratulations. I I
1: am so honored. I uh I, I I'm speechless. I, you a know, big I deal just sir. I just go to Rwanda to, to do good.
0: But,
1: <laughs> uh you know, I just don't even know what to say. I didn't, I, I didn't prepare a speech. Vincent. No.
0: It's it's important. It's important to do good deeds for others. It's it's important to be friendly. <laughs> it pays off.
1: Are you serious though? <laughs> so someone some, we got this? That, that was yep.
0: that's legit. I have it and I'll probably the only thing I'll block out is my mailing address. Um, but yeah, it is mm. it is legit. It is in my hand. I am here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for everyone that's listening in their car. That probably made you think you rolled over something. I'm very sorry about <laughs> that. But yeah, this is this is legit. I mean, hey, it says Rwanda Humanitarian Organization right on the envelope. Wow. So who am wow. I to argue? Yeah. Well, there you go. I do good work. Absolutely fantastic. You do do good work, my friend. Uh, and just a bit of self-whoring for a minute, if you have a minute and you're interested in Trader Joe's in any way. I finally remembered to mention it, but head over yes. to head over to Snacker Joe's, which is my. I never use my real name. I'm going by Snacker Joe on the account. I'm not talking about anything personal, but it's just a fun account where I talk about all the different snacks you can get at Trader Joe's. If you're into snacks, desserts um tasty stuff then it's actually it's been a lot of fun i could use some followers over there so if y'all want to i just just, it makes me hungry every time (laughs) you want to give me a little boost i would really really appreciate it okay enough of the plugs and whoring and self-gratification alan it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show my friend
2: oh it's been awesome talking to you guys tonight i really appreciate you guys having me on
0: I, I, and if you guys haven't, I know we mentioned it like twice, but just in case you want to hear more from Alan, because I tried to keep it a little bit in, different, in a different area from where it was, um, you can check out Makers Figuring It Out, um, where he was a guest. And I'll, I'll find the episode. I'll put it in the show notes. But it was a really good uh, discussion with you and Steve. It was kind of cool, even though he kept calling you AC, which cracks me up. It cracked me up every time he did it. I mean, what, what can I call you, AC? How about Alan? Okay, AC. It's all, all right. Whatever. I guess I'm AC for the rest of the interview because that's Steve. But it was a really good. It was a really good discussion. You'll hear a whole other side of Alan. So you can sit there and have like an Thon, which is exactly what you want to be doing. So, and and yeah. if you haven't already followed, follow him on Instagram and yeah. follow his YouTube channel, and I'll have those links for him in the show notes but thank you so much for joining us man yeah, it thanks alan man really it's it, it
1: been so much fun to talk to you and uh yeah
0: and thank you for supporting this little podcast since the beginning. I you literally were one of the first people exactly to share this podcast i think you were on board with this podcast before ethan even knew it existed which is kind of cool so but it's 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 really appreciated and we really appreciate that you're so we appreciate
1: on. your friendship too
0: yep so. oh of course yeah for sure I mean, I, that, I, I always forget that part, but yeah, of course, appreciate the friendship. And, and I
1: cannot wait to see your new shot, man. I'm yeah, it's so going to be so oh, cool.
2: So when, when are you moving in? Uh, next week. Oh, it's coming we, up got, it fast. we yeah. got him just
0: in time. We got him just in time, Well,
2: yeah, exactly. So it's um, I'm going to go pretty much internet and computer dark here pretty soon. It's going to be Ooh. probably beginning of next week. I'm going to have to just kind of really dial back everything and focus on the move, closing and stuff, and then. Luckily, it's Memorial Day weekend, so I'll have like a long week weekend. I mean, to kind of get things moved in and set up. But I'm hoping to have the shop set up within, you know, three months. No, <laughs> excellent. Um, hey, with, with, within within we... a few weeks to a month, I should have a good chunk of the shop, you know, usable again. So,
0: that's,
2: that's awesome. awesome. You just start somewhere and build from there, right? Yep, exactly. Yep, a- absolutely fantastic. We are
0: we are out of here, my friends. Um, we actually next week we have. Returning guest number two. We seem to be getting returns a lot, and then in two weeks we will hit episode one hundred, and you know what that means. <laughs>
1: episode one hundred. And if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, and you. if
0: you don't know, like where have you been? It's a, all right. I'll give you a hint. It's a multiple of twenty-five. Um, so we already know who that guest is, and, and be. it
1: might be the only person that has a deeper voice than Alan.
0: <laughs> he might actually beat Alan in the deep voice. Very <laughs> we, have a, we have a bunch of really amazing guests coming up and the next uh, we haven't booked all the way through June so you guys don't have to hear just Ethan and I you're going to hear some really cool people, some old friends and some new ones and I hope you'll join us for that But until then, have a great week everybody and we will be back again next week. Bye-bye.